millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Game day, Premier League preview show. Hello, this is Sam Matterface with the Game Day Preview Podcast from TalkSport. No need to be rash, Marcus gives a timely reminder of his talent ahead of the Manchester derby, which is live on TalkSport at 5.30 this weekend and around the world on Premier League Live. But there won't be too many pats on the head. After all, lads, it's only Tottenham. Uh, Lacklustre in midweek, Mourinho's men will need to be better against Burnley. Now, the Belgian manager was too naive. The Holland manager didn't get it. The former England manager played the wrong type of football. Now, after a desperate dash to make Marco the manager, he's no good either. Hmm. Ever think the problems might be elsewhere? Maybe they'll look at Bournemouth. They, after all, have got Liverpool visiting this weekend with Salah, Alisson, Firmino and Henderson. Nice and fresh. Also, West Ham against Arsenal. Dream team options for Villa and Leicester. Plus, Newcastle, Southampton, Watford, Crystal Palace, Norwich, Sheffield United and Brighton versus Wolves. And this week in the pod studio, the gloriously gorgeous Danny Gabadon. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, Sam. Good. And someone who could do with a few tips in the wardrobe department, Alex Crook, <laughs> how are you? It's a bit I just knew there was going to be a juxtaposition there. Yeah. Just just because you look a million dollars today. Well. Yeah. On you. yeah, I Seems always think so. waistcoats look better on tall people, though, so he, he's <laughs> doing his best. Why don't you wear one, then? <laughs> what have you been up to this week? It's been a busy week of Premier League action. What have you been doing? It has been, yeah. Um, I covered the Mooseside Derby last night ah. uh, for Talksport International, so uh, obviously that one was a crazy game. Um, what else have I been doing? I had a golf lesson. Oh, right, okay. Um, took the family out. Are you any good Sunday at golf? Lunch. Footballers are usually I'm, quite I'm good tr- at golf. I'm trying to get there. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't really play enough when I was playing. It was just on and off. So now I've kind of finished playing. I want to get a bit more time get to a decent level. Alex can yeah. give you some tips. He's always on the golf course. Decent Alex, yeah. Would in the summer. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm done now. I'll start well, again in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. His club is not very good, though. Uh, right, first up, Solskjaer's Spurs success. A model for giving Pep the blues? Possibly. It's blocked to the follow-up oh, shot by Rodri. He's clattered into the roof of the net. We are playing good. I know that you are not agreeing because... It depends on the results, we will be judged, but I think except 20 minutes against uh, Chelsea, after considerable goal, they were better, we were a little bit well, out of the game. The rest of the games, even in Anfield and Newcastle today, we were in, uh, we were in high, high level. And six minutes in, Marcus Rashford with the first shot of the game, hammers Manchester United into the lead. Anyone who wants to criticise Man United, no matter what we do, 2-1 now and then you didn't last the 90 minutes or we were tired towards the end, that's just normal for us. I'm, I've been here as a player and a coach and I'm, I'm used to us not being uh, 
uh, always uh, talked about in a positive way. No problem. It is our big game of the weekend. Manchester City against Manchester United. The Manchester derby. Intensity, aggression, smothering all over Tottenham. United flew out of the traps against Mourinho's men. But can they play that way against Manchester City? Because usually, look, they don't perform against teams that they're expected to beat. And then they up their game against the top six or the teams that they're expected to be thrashed by. But Manchester United, can they do that two games in a row, do you think, Danny Gabadon? Uh, that is the big question. Um, I mean, looking at Man City and how they played um, the other night against Burnley, um, I think it's a, a tough ask for them. Uh, they looked really sharp, Man City, back to their best, you know, popping the ball about. Um, obviously, really? Jesus coming up with a couple of goals. They they really looked at it um, and looked really focused and in tune with how important it was to get a result there. So, um, United, I just... They're not where they need to be. They, I know, obviously, a good result against Tottenham. I, think I was um, there at the game. I thought they played really yeah. well. For half an hour, the first half an hour, they absolutely bossed that match. Rashford running at the defenders. I mean, Sissoko getting dragged out of position caused all sorts of issues as well. But ultimately, I thought their attitude and application was better than I've seen them all season. I think that was the best home performance of the campaign. Yeah, well, that's what Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has kind of spoken about, isn't he? He keeps banging on about building a culture, uh, getting the kind of the team spirit right, the right players into the football club. And, and that is what you have to do first and foremost before you do anything. So um, that is going to take a little bit of time. Um, when you get that then, I think you start getting consistency then with results. So I think it's, it's a good test for United. Um, obviously off the back of the Tottenham win, they'll want to continue that momentum. Um, as you said, against kind of the, the bigger size, they tend to kind of raise their game and get results. And, and you mentioned here, Marcus Rashford he is the man who's on fire at the minute, so I don't need a big performance from him again. You mentioned Gabriel Jesus, and often I think sometimes that they lack a little bit when Aguero is not there because he doesn't score the same sort of numbers of goals that Aguero does. But he gives you something different, doesn't he, Gabriel Jesus? He's a harasser. He leads the press. He rats around, causes problems for central defenders. Would that cause a problem for Manchester United? Yeah, he probably does more work outside the penalty area that than Aguero is very much the the, the predator, the, the finisher. I think Gabriel Jesus does bring a bit more to the Manchester City performance. And listen, United is certainly not watertight defensively. Harry Maguire did really well, uh, as you called it on Talksport in the battle of the two Harrys. Kept Kane very quiet. I still think he looks like he's got a mistake in him. Same with Lindelof, who plays at left back. Um, Luke Shaw obviously is being slowly reintroduced Young could start there Williams I think City will score it's going to be a case of whether Manchester United can outgun them really and Marcus Rashford is going to be integral to that 13 goals in 33 games of him against the big six this is a player who is rapidly becoming the big game player for Manchester United he stuck away that pressure penalty in Paris as well and I think Scott McTominay brings a new dimension to the team he gives Solskjaer the confidence to allow the yeah. forward players to express themselves he gets up and down the pitch uh, better than the likes of Juan Mata he offers that shield to what is a suspect defence so if he's fit, it's going Fred to be a big have, boost. Have formed a little bit of a partnership, haven't they? You know, between the two of them. Fred played quite well actually on on Wednesday night as well. Interestingly, though, Alex is an out Manchester United fan, <laughs> but he undulates between absolute disaster <laughs> and total triumph on a daily and a match by match basis. Hourly, at the, hourly. At, at the weekend after Aston Villa, he was just peppering the WhatsApp group, telling us how bad things were, and Pochettino had Benton, to come in. Benton. And then last night. 
Ollie's a genius. Ollie was actually it was. He sent us a picture of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Jose Mourinho and said Solskjaer is the real special oh, was one. Was that when he was patting him on yeah. the head after victory? That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, so where are you this week? Where, where are you in the sort of spectrum of should he stay, should he go? Where are United? Well, before the game, I was expecting a Spurs win. I actually put money on Tottenham, so uh, serves me right. It's very loyal of you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I was calling for Pochettino. I still think Pochettino is the right man long-term. If you said to anybody who knows anything about football, you can hire Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as your manager or Pochettino. Anyone who says Solskjaer is either mad or a liar. Apart from Ed Woodward. <laughs> well, don't get me started there. Um, but I actually fancy them to get something in the Manchester really? derby. So, so that's just going to prolong the, the, the agony okay. that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We'll get, you, we'll get you to build a case for that in just a second. But do you, do you agree with him? Is there any chance the Manchester no, United come come me. away with something? I not mean, they, they have a particularly good record there. I think they've only lost one of their last four trips to City. Yeah, I, I just can't see it. Um, I can see City being on their game again, and I can just see them picking United apart. You know, Jesus against Maguire is a, a good matchup there, as we said. I think his movement. You know, you look at Maguire's kind of lack of mobility, and I think movement in and around him is a bit of a problem for him. Sterling's um, not firing. No, he's not, actually. He's so he's due a goal. He's <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those games, right? We, we do this with David Connolly every week where we just talk about the fact that he said that Arsenal are on the verge of something special and now we are where we are with Arsenal. So, come on, this is your blueprint for Manchester United to get something from Manchester City. We were going to clip this up and bring it back next week when they've lost 5-0. Go for it. Play on the front foot. Manchester United's best form of defence is attack. They've got players in Rashford and Daniel James who can really hurt, t- to me, what is not a great Manchester City defence. Rashford, as I say, is the big game player. He will turn it on again. McTominay uh, can boss the midfield like he did against Tottenham. Paul Pogba may even be fit to return, probably only as a substitute. I think Manchester United are going to outscore Manchester City at the Etihad. That's my prediction. You think Manchester United are going to outscore Manchester City? I do. Wow. I'm not sure about that. Great odds on that, though. I mean, See, you know. I don't it, I don't know how United go about this one because you say play on the front foot. Can they do that against Man City? And do leave themselves have, exposed. Do they have the players to go and press Man City? I'm not so sure. But I don't think you're, um, you're, you're playing Manchester City at the peak of their powers. I mentioned Sterling's gone off the boil a bit. Despite what we said about Gabriel Jesus and his qualities outside the box, he isn't the, the natural goal scorer that Sergio Aguero is. If John Stones plays at the back, I fancy Rashford to get a bit of joy there. He's in the form of his life. You never know. And City, you know, I thought they were really slick against Burnley on yeah. Tuesday night. They still conceded a goal. Um, and in fact, they haven't kept a clean sheet in any match since October the 26th, which is a run of eight straight games. That's an odd statistic for me. I find that very strange that they keep conceding so many goals. Yeah, well, you can look at Liverpool as well, flying mm. high at the top and... Was that eight, maybe okay. eight games now or something? We may look at that in a little bit more detail so... a little bit later on then. Let's turn our attention to Everton against Chelsea and after a filleting at Anfield, Everton welcome Chelsea to Goodison Park. This is the first game day offering we've got for you on TalkSport this weekend and around the world on Premier League Live. It's a 12.30 kickoff in the UK. Now, who's going to want to replace Marco Silva at Everton? I mean, I gave Eddie Howe a mention on Twitter last night and the response was absolutely startling. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, he's a man that has taken a club from the bottom tier to the top tier of English football and stabilised the club with an average attendance of 11,000 in the Premier League. However, the Everton fans, whose previous managers have been, by the way, Roberto Martinez, who they took from relegated Wigan, and Marco Silva, who got relegated with Hull and almost uh, relegated with Watford and then uh, had this desperate dash to get hold of him. Um, 
and he hasn't lived up to expectation, suggest that Eddie Howe is beneath them and he couldn't possibly do a decent job there and they want a much bigger name. What bigger name are they going to get, do you think? Well, that is the issue, I think, with Everton as a football club now, how they're looking to progress. Obviously, the, the financial backing that they have, maybe that's got a lot of the fans' expectation levels a bit too high. I think that's probably been a lot of the issues with the recruitment as well. They've got the money to spend, but can they attract the high-quality player um, that with the money that they have? No, they can't because they're not at that level as a football club yet. So you probably end up with the Snyderlins, those kind of players, the Awobis coming into your club who are probably not good enough, really. So that's been part of the problem. Um, I mean, you look at their fixtures coming up as well. Would you want to take the job on their fixtures? Well, that is the other thing. I actually spoke to someone who has not been offered the job, but someone who's been sort of looking on the outside, looking in and maybe one of the contenders to come in. And the view was... yeah, yeah, it'd be great to go in there and then look at the fixtures. I said, look at the fixtures that are coming up here. Who you got to play between now and January? And then it was sort of like a bit reticent. Oh, uh, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Change their tune. <laughs> All of a sudden, everyone starts to back off a little bit. And you yeah. can understand that, really, because they've got huge fixtures. You know, mentioned Chelsea. I think they've got to play Arsenal in the next couple of weeks as well. Manchester United, United away yeah. from home. Um, and then they've got Manchester City before the start of the new year. And then their first game of the new year in the FA Cup is against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm surprised that Marco Silva has, has, has failed so spectacularly. I mean, this is a man who came in at Hull City, kept them in the... Pre- oh, no, no, they went down. Um, <laughs> w- was brilliant at Watford for a month and has proven that he can't motivate players. I mean, look at Richarlison's reaction after scoring the goal last night. If that tells you all you need to know about just how unhappy the Everton players with the man who's leading them from the sidelines. He's got no tactical ability. He went to Liverpool and thought the best way to play was to, was to invite them on, which was defensive suicide, and, and so it proved. I agree with you, Sam. I think Eddie Howe is, is a great um, contender. I, I don't understand that the delusion of grandeur that the Everton fans have got. They haven't won a trophy since 1995. They finished in the top four once and then lost in a Champions League playoff to Villarreal. Didn't even get in the group stage that season. They are a club, historically in the Premier League era, who spend more time in the bottom half of the table than the top. So if they're going to turn their noses up at Eddie Howe, I would love to see who they want to well, come they, in. They've turned their nose up at the Holland manager, the Belgian manager and the former England manager. And, and that's no. I'm not having a go at Everton fans here, but ultimately it's a difficult crowd to please. And there are reasons for that. My view on it is, is that this structure behind the scenes is actually the biggest issue. Because it's all right saying they've got great investment and they're buying loads of players, but they're buying bad players. Yeah. They're not buying well with any thought, forethought or long strategic plan. They employed Steve Walsh because he, he picked up a couple of great players when he was at Leicester. But he worked in a Leicester system which was all geared towards that the first team. And it, it, was, it, was, it was a well-oiled machine. Everton, he just came, but parachuted in and they expected him to work miracles. It doesn't work like that. You know, if you're going to organically grow a football club from nothing to something, it takes time, it takes investment and a clear plan. And Everton at the moment seem to be a, a mismatch of different plans and different people's plans. And they certainly are a mismatch of different people's squads. Well, that's also the case at Boardroom level, isn't it? Because if the reports well, are yeah, to, to exactly be believed that, that um, one owner wanted Eddie Howe, one wanted somebody else, one wanted another, that they need to come up with their blueprint. Well, they haven't got an owner, have they? They've got they've got a majority stakeholder in Farhad Mashiri. Yeah. 
They've got uh, Marcel Brands, who's supposed to be the director of football, but doesn't really have much influence in first-team affairs. And you've got Bill Kemright, who's got a 5% stake in the club, but ultimately seems to call a lot of the shots because of his long-term affiliation He's the one who wanted Eddie Howe, wasn't he? Bill Kemright. Yes. Yeah. Well, Eddie Howe's an Everton fan, or was as a boy, wasn't he? So, I mean, that sort of has a, a sort of connection. But the Everton fans don't want him. So who else would they get? Who else should they go for? Well, David Moyes is the one that's uh, <coughs> hot favourite. Well, that's more minute. forward thinking than Eddie um, Howe, isn't it? Well, is it 2004? Well, you look at the situation that they're in, and I think it has to probably has to be short term at the minute to try and just keep themselves in the Premier League because they are. They're not going to go down. Well, you say that, but <laughs> watching them, watching them against Liverpool. I tell you what, the way well, they, they are in the, the relegation fight. There's well, no doubt are, about that. They it. are. That's the way they have to kind of look at things. But there the are three worst yeah, teams. I, I would be, I would be shocked. There are if they went down. But. but if they continue to play the way they are, and with the games that they've got upcoming, I think we mentioned this three or four weeks ago. Things are going to get a lot yeah. worse before they get better at Everton. Yeah, well, it's a worry for me. You look at their their team not not scoring enough goals. Conceding, you know, conceding goals. Um, I don't see any leaders in that team either. There's you know, no the real when direction they go behind, in terms of yeah. play. You don't understand the pattern of play. You don't no. know what the what the Marco Silva There's philosophy is. There's no relationships is. between players. You know, different. They were systems. arguing the other night. Yeah, it's it's just all over the place in so many ways in a minute. So I think it probably has to be a short term view at the minute, and you know who is available, who can get them out of the situation they're in, and then maybe you get to the summer um, and, and reassess things again. Aren't they still paying Big Sam? Just get him to earn his money, get him back in the in, in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's in Dubai, and he? he's that, going to Dubai for I Christmas. I think that would so go well. down particularly well with the Everton fans. <laughs> but listen, this is a problem when you let fans choose your manager because they were all massively in favour yeah. of Marco Silva. He's been a disaster. They don't want Eddie Howe. I, I can't understand that. I think he would be the perfect fit um, because fundamentally there is a good squad there that just needs a bit of guidance. Uh, I think players like Tom Davis... Alex Iwobi, Michael Keane would improve under Eddie Howe. He'll play the type of football that Everton fans want to see, that is front foot attacking football. But unlike Silva, he will have some kind of tactical nous as well. And he's not as soft a touch as I think people on the outside think. Well, he's just not Just ask Silva Distan, yeah. who had to leave Bournemouth a month before the end of his contract after he fell foul of Eddie Howe. So he, he, he won't be afraid to go on and, and go in there and take on the big egos. And I think this, this would be the right time for him. I think he's a bit frustrated at Bournemouth, not just with results, but maybe by one or two things off the field. There was talk of a new stadium. That hasn't happened. I think he sees a lack of progress off the pitch. The training ground is is dragging on as well. Everton have got a new stadium in the offing. That They have the capability to be one of the big clubs outside the big four or five. I think it's the perfect fit. I think it's the perfect time. What about his troubles at Burnley? That's the accusation that's always levelled at him. Yeah, but no manager's a success everywhere. I mean, look at Jose Mourinho. He's He's been to clubs and, and, and fouled. It, it, Burnley was the wrong time really he was still a relatively young manager he had a young family his wife never settled in the northwest he inherited a burnley side who were just relegated from the premier league they're on their way down but you really would imagine that the family would have to settle in the northwest again if he went to everton yeah but maybe they're at a better, better stage now uh, i think he just lost his mum at the time as well which was a big blow to, to the howe family one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. I, I wouldn't hold Burnley against him too much. The other much. thing I would say about that Burnley situation, and a lot of Burnley fans came back at me about that last night, and I said to them, you know, Sean Dyche got fired very quickly after taking over Watford. He wasn't particularly um, impressive there. I know he was very quickly finding a bit trigger-happy down at Watford, but ultimately every manager has a, a poor yeah. outcome at some employment. Look at Gareth Southgate. He was a figure of fun at Middlesbrough. And now all of a sudden he's going to lead England to win the European well, look, Championships. Look, look, look at Brian Clough. I mean, when he left Derby County, he went down to Brighton. They didn't play particularly well. I think they got beaten by a fourth division team in the Cup. Yeah. And he was you know, operating in the third division at the time. Yes, and then ended up getting a job at Leeds United. So, look, ultimately, if you write people off after just one failure and one job, then there's you're getting rid of a lot of characters. Yeah, some of your best learning is done... From your bad experiences, isn't it? It's the same as a player. When you have a bad game, sometimes you you learn a lot more from um, those performances than when you when you're playing well. So um, I mean, you look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I spent a bit of time with him when he was kind He's of learning almost manager. every week. He is. Um, and at that point, you could see he was an inexperienced manager. Um, but now he's in the hot seat of Manchester United, and I'm sure he's learned and moved on. Um, from those kind of bad experiences that he's had, he's, he, he can't be the same manager as he was a few years ago. Im- impossible. So, so and I think Howe definitely learned a lot from Burnley, and, and I think Eddie Howe either has to go now yeah. or he doesn't go at all. Mm. I know there are people at Arsenal who do rate Eddie Howe. They're not going to hire Howe now after Tottenham have taken Mourinho. You don't go from Bournemouth to Arsenal. You need a sort of middle rung on the ladder. Everton, West Ham would be perfect for that. But if he doesn't take one of these jobs. He's just going to see out his career at Bournemouth. And I think he's more ambitious than that. Everton, with their worst start of the season since 1999. Chelsea in fourth have had an iffy patch. That that will happen. But Mount and Abraham on the score sheet again. I think December is going to be a big month for Chelsea. They've got a defining game in the Champions League and matches against Tottenham and Arsenal. That If they win them, will cement their place in the top four. Tambi limping out of the match um, on Wednesday night with injury would worry me a little bit. He's been magnificent. And their defence as well is a little bit iffy. Four clean sheets in 23 games. But, but, and going back to the point that you made earlier in the pod, Danny, maybe we should take this as a sign that the game at the top level is actually changing because City don't keep clean sheets, Liverpool don't keep clean sheets, Ajax don't keep clean sheets, <laughs> Barcelona don't keep clean sheets. 
maybe they aren't the be-all and end-all. Maybe now we're playing such progressive football that the idea is actually to go out and outscore your opponents. Um, yeah, I think the top teams, most of the top teams tend to play that way. They're on the front foot and they're looking to score goals and maybe the defensive side of the game um, is secondary. I think you look at Liverpool last season, the amount of clean sheets they kept and they still didn't win the league. Um, and it seems as if Jurgen Klopp kind of reassessed things in the summer and said, you know, how can we get better? How can we improve? And you've seen them this season holding a much higher kind of defensive line. Um, it almost seems as if they're trying to squeeze teams even more and, and kind of control the spaces a lot more. So, you know, the midfield players, the attacking players have got less space to, to run when the ball gets turned over and they can go and press quicker and, and, and pen teams in. And, you know, it's been working fairly well, but it has left them more vulnerable kind of defensively. You've seen a lot of teams now just playing that direct ball kind of over the top and they've been caught out quite often but you know, I think teams are always looking to evolve and improve and you, know, you see the top manager and they don't seem to worry too much when they concede a couple Jurgen Klopp hasn't been worrying about their record defensively this season so um, Chelsea have been pretty much the same and they playing some sparkling football scoring goals very good away from home Tammy Abraham seems to score every time he plays away from home as well so um, it is about getting that balance right, but the top teams, the, the players that they have, the quality they have going forward, more often than not, they, they are going to outscore the, the opponents. Yeah. Chelsea have won only one of their last five trips to Goodison and only four of their last 14. Might be a silver lining after all. Right, coming up, Bournemouth-Liverpool. But first, what's going on with Crystal Palace? Here's Tom Rennie. Bottom of the table, Watford continue to struggle. Just eight points this season. That's less than Leicester, who beat them on Wednesday, have picked up in their last three matches. Manager Hayden Mullins, still in caretaker charge after the sacking of Kike Sanchez-Flores, says he saw plenty of fitness and intelligence from their midweek loss. But can he turn that into the only thing that matters now? Points on the board. Troy Deeney got through 87 minutes on Wednesday, so it might be tough for him to start again here. But having scored just nine all season at a rate of 0.6 per game, the Hornets need him to recover quickly. That's the second worst record in Europe, by the way, behind Leganis of La Liga. Crystal Palace have now won back-to-back -back games after their 1-0 win over Bournemouth in midweek. Victories both coming without conceding. Despite having 10 men for 70 minutes against the Cherries, they were barely troubled. Manager Roy Hodgson says their sterling season is down to the outstanding attitude of his players. Bournemouth, who have only won one less game than Manchester United and Tottenham this season, take on the leaders Liverpool, uh, worth pointing out. Uh, four defeats in a row for Eddie Howe. Uh, anyone coming back from injury to provide some cherry aid, Alex? Well, no, they were hoping David Brooks might be uh, ready to return at some point in the immediate future, but he's had a bit of a setback. Um, Joshua King possibly, obviously picked up that hamstring injury. I think getting him back would be a massive boost when you look at Dominic Solanke. <laughs> Still hasn't scored a goal. What are you and, laughing and, for? Because <laughs> well, you can't hit a bar, Dominic. <laughs> It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, Eddie Howe has talked to him out week in, week out this season about his work off the board, his link up with Callum Wilson. If you pay £20 million for a striker, ultimately he's judged on putting the ball in the net. He hasn't done that. He's only ever scored one career club goal wow. and they spent £20 million on Dominic Solanke. But they're not the only ones to take a gamble on him, are they? <laughs> I mean, Chelsea released him and Liverpool picked him up and took him on a free transfer. It didn't work out for them. They then sold him down to Bournemouth. It hasn't worked out there either is he just not a Premier League striker do you think 
And that's harsh well, on the kid. He, he isn't at the minute. Um, but to be honest, you, I, I was think, looking at Tammy Abraham start of the season and thinking, would he be able to step up to the level? And, and he has. Um, at least he scored goals somewhere before yes, this season. But you can true. understand why Chelsea allowed Solanke to go, yeah. knowing that they had Abraham yeah. in the ranks as well. I don't think that was the only factor. What are you trying to say, Alex? <laughs> many, I, I, I think many, his lack of ability may have oh, come into it as yeah, well. Possibly, yeah. He's got um, a lot of goals in the youth under team. Under 21s, England under 21s, he bangs goals in for fun. Mm. But for whatever reason, um, I mean, he didn't get a lot of opportunities at Liverpool, to be fair, did he? He was, um, you know, the, the odd appearance here and there. And, and when he did play, to be fair, he, did, he didn't quite look up to the standard. He didn't do enough to affect the game to... Uh, to want more opportunities. Um, I, I think they were delighted Liverpool when Bournemouth came in and offered that kind of money. Um, couldn't get rid of him probably quick enough. He's gone down to Bournemouth and I thought that might be a good move for him. I thought Eddie Howe would, would get him playing, get him scoring goals. But, you know, the way kind of Bournemouth play as well, they tend to play obviously 4-4-2. You think with a strike partner up there with him, it might kick him into life. But for whatever reason... Um, it's, it's just not happening. There was a stage earlier in the season when having him in the team was bringing the best out of Callum Wilson, but even that's dried up now. And it's a, it's a big problem for Bournemouth that their success over the last two, three seasons has been the link-up play largely between the likes of Brooks, who's injured, yeah. but particularly Fraser and yeah. Callum Wilson. Again, that partnership hasn't been in evidence this season. Maybe it's because Fraser's head is elsewhere. He's letting his contract run down. He's been linked with some big clubs like Liverpool and Arsenal. They've just lost their identity a little bit, Bournemouth. We talk about identity a lot on the pod. They've tightened up at one end, which was a problem, but I think it's had a detrimental effect on them creating and scoring chances. Well, that's obvious that that's going to happen. If you put things in place that uh, make you more solid, you're going to lose something from the other end of the pitch because you're not committing as many men forward. And certainly that has been a bit of a problem uh, for Bournemouth. But they do go in spells, don't mm. they, where mm. they win a batch of games and then lose a batch of games and they, they're a bit streaky like that. Four games without a win now. They need to turn it round, but they're not going to do that against Liverpool, are they? No, and you can actually trace this decline back a bit further because it's five wins in 23 in the mm. Premier League dating back to last season. In fact, if you took a, a league table of the last 38 games, that's a whole season. They Bournemouth are in the bottom three. Zone, yeah. mm. <laughs> Liverpool were absolutely frightening on Wednesday night. An eight-point lead. The only man who really can stop them from winning the Premier League is arguably the man that stopped them from winning the Premier League the last time it looked odds on, Brendan Rodgers. And I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but because he could have drawn that game against Chelsea and he might have been a little bit more successful if he protected the lead against Palace when they were up and on the verge of winning the title. But the basic premise is true. He's the only man who can stop them, isn't he? Because no one else is anywhere near them. Well, I wouldn't rule Man City out. Um, From this far back? No, they can do it. They're, you know, they're the champions, they have that mentality and they have the squad, they have the players and you look at the busy period of games now that Liverpool have, mm. their squad is going to be tested. You know, you saw Jurgen Klopp make, what, four or five changes for the it, Everton game. It didn't game. affect them though, did it, Well, I, I was surprised actually. I was a little bit worried looking at that, that starting lineup going into the game. I thought that would have been massive incentive for Everton, but... Obviously, it wasn't the case. They they pretty much beat him with it with their B team, and it, it probably is the strongest Liverpool squad that Jurgen Klopp has had. Um, and it is going to be tested now over the next few weeks, and you are going to see rotation. Um, and you do look at the way Liverpool play, and you know, kind of that midfield area. It, it's it's probably key more for me that that midfield area than actually the front three. Um, and that's going to have to rotate. Um, the forward players at times are maybe going to have to rotate. And will that affect kind of the, the cohesion of the team as a whole? I don't know. So it's a big period for Liverpool. Um, but Leicester, yeah, I mean, 
no one's talking about them. This is what so not everyone's saying about the gap between Liverpool and Man City, the gap between Liverpool and Man City. Nobody's talking about Leicester, which is probably a good thing as well. We'll focus on them in just a second. We're going to do those uh, sort of dream team picks because there's a couple of really interesting statistics about the bedrock of their success as well. Uh, but let's move on to a London derby on Monday night. Is Freddie ready? Towards the near post. Oh, and a chance for Mustafi. Good block. Aubameyang. 2-2. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with a captain's goal for Arsenal. His second of the afternoon. And for the second time, Freddie Lundberg's gunners have come from behind. Here come West Ham. Here's Aaron Cresswell. Beats his man right footed. What a goal from Aaron Cresswell. And West Ham strike first in the London derby. Chelsea nil. West Ham won. The Freddie Lundberg derby takes place on Monday night. Arsenal, we have talked a lot about over the last few weeks. Uh, they and the world's most expensively acquired substitute, Pepe, are in a state of flux. Uh, Manuel Pellegrini is on the chopping block too. One win in 10 games. And he comes out after the Wolves defeat and says, set pieces are a bit of a problem. <laughs> We've conceded <laughs> at least eight say. goals from set pieces. We need to manage those better. I think maybe he should be managing those a little bit better. It, it's he? almost like both these teams should have signed some proper top quality defenders at the start of the season. Who'd have guessed that? <laughs> uh, Karen Brady sent out a little message in her column the other week. It was like a little warning, wasn't it? It was like she said, when the pressure is on, leaders show what they're made of. She then goes on to sort of back Pellegrini, but you, you sort of got what she meant. It was basically buck up or ship out. Um, but he hasn't helped himself, I don't think. He came out and said that after the game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. He also said, I think it's more important that we win our home games. And he made a joke in the pre-match presser about uh, with uh, Unai Emery being fired that he and Everton losing, that he was no longer the favourite to get the sack. I'm not entirely sure he's sending the right messages or yeah, he's lost sort of his com marbles. coming across as if he's sort of taking it seriously enough. Is that the right philosophy or is he just he, trying to take the pressure off? What's I, he doing? I, I don't know what he's trying to do. And that's probably part of the problem. I think the players don't probably understand what he wants as well because it certainly looks that way, um, you know, defensively, particularly from set pieces. You know, all season they've been poor. You know, Alex, you mentioned they probably should have bought some defenders. Their most expensive signing is a Diop couldn't even get on the bench. Wasn't even probably their best centre-back. And he wasn't even involved in the game whatsoever. So, strange one for me. Um, I mean, at least just, they've decided to make the change in goal now. I mean, it was three weeks too late, to. but, they, <laughs> <laughs> but they eventually bit the bullet. Well, I think it was either you know, Pellegrini goes or, or Roberto goes, one of the two. Um, it's made such a difference, though, hasn't it? I mean, you could almost trace their decline. To, I was at the game against Bournemouth when Fabianski was injured, and they've barely won a game since. And, and even I, I think up until that point he made more saves since the start of last yeah. season than any other goalkeeper well, they, so. they, they've won one game in ten matches yeah. and that one game was when David Martin came in and made his debut yeah and it's just typical West Ham that they beat Chelsea it away yeah. and then go to Wolves and, and get turned over um, there's a problem with the squad though isn't there yeah. it's, it's disjointed there are too many number tens yeah. too many flair Not players they're relying on Mark Noble who, I think is he going to play his 500th game in the coming weeks but but he isn't the player that he was. I think his legs have gone a little bit. He can't quite get around the pitch as much as he used to. Defensively, there are shambles. But I tell you what, we talked about this with Everton, and this is also what happens when you let fans decide who the manager is because they handed out Slavon Bilic, yeah. who I think is a decent manager. He's proving it. West Bromwich Albion did, didn't, didn't want David Moyes and Stuart Pearce. He did a good job, Slavon yeah. Bilic, under difficult circumstances at West Ham. He oversaw the stadium move. He had the Pie situation to contend with. Then Pellegrini's been coming, been given vastly much more money than Bilic was. 
And I think he's taken them backwards. Well, Halea has scored once since August the 31st. He's getting slated, not competing. He's left isolated up top, but he doesn't look as if he's trying to win headers, I think, because he thinks, what's the point? You know, what's the point of me jumping and winning a header and there's no one around me yeah. within 20 yards? Antonio's injured again. Uh, most of their recent goals have come from defenders. They can't defend. They can't score. doesn't sound like a recipe for success, does it? I mean, if he loses on Monday night um, against an Arsenal team that aren't particularly performing, very well. I was going to say that's the one positive, isn't it? West Ham have got all these problems, but they're playing Arsenal at home. So yeah, and Arsenal are poor away from home. Aren't but but, they, but, so. but if he doesn't win that game, is he going to end up being the next manager that's given the job? Um, I mean, they're not going to wait around forever, are they? No, I mean, at the end uh, of the day, uh, if they get dragged into a relegation battle, it's an expensive yeah. business, though, isn't it? He's on good money. He's yeah, got a big he backroom staff. It's ex- not as expensive as relegation. Most expensive uh, West Ham manager ever, I think, isn't he? With his wages, six. I think it was seven a million good appointment. Pounds. Not, I, I wasn't on board with it when he, when he come in. I wasn't one that was, you know, singing his praise and stuff. I, I wasn't really sure. I just, he, he, for me, he's just an inspiring. Doesn't inspire the players. His personality. Uh, I don't think he's someone that's gonna, you know, knock heads together in the dressing room. You look at him tactically. I think at times he's he's found one. Even at, when he was Man City manager, at times I thought tactically he was was off the pace. This um, sounds like a terrible criticism, and I don't mean to be outlandish here with this statement. But ultimately, in his time as the Manchester City manager with the most ex- expensively assembled squad in modern history. He failed to win the Premier League more often than he actually did win yeah. the Premier League. Yeah, Champions League was a problem as well. Well, he got to the semi-final of that. 4-4-2 in the Champions League <laughs> and getting, getting, getting turned over. But, I mean, I think you'll get a bit more time, I think, David Sullivan. Do you? Yeah, I think you'll get a few more games, but, but they won't hang around forever. Again, though, they're not going down. No. They're probably not going to achieve the ambitions that they set out at the start of the season. But in some ways, what's the point in making the managerial change now if there isn't somebody well, better equipped to do the job? Marco Silva will be available very shortly. Won't <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, the Blades have drawn half their game so far this season. Can they get a win over Norwich at Carrow Road? Here's Tom Rennie. Norwich City find themselves in 19th in the table, beaten comfortably by fellow strugglers Southampton after being unlucky not to pick up victory against Arsenal at the weekend. Daniel Farker's side can't be faulted for application, but even he's admitted they're still favourites to finish the season in position 20. Their campaign does have a feel of enjoy it while it lasts about it, and Temu Puki certainly is. He's now got eight goals, the best top flight return for a Canary since Grant Holt seven in 2013. Sheffield United are well away from all the noise at the bottom of the table, though their small squad will be tested by the tight turnaround from Thursday to Saturday, and they'll want to protect striker Lise Mousset as much as possible. He looked unsuited to the Premier League whilst at Bournemouth, but that's all changed now. The Frenchman's been involved in the majority of goals the Blades have scored in recent weeks. Okay, let's move to the Dream Team section of the programme. And Andrew Butler is here. Danny, be very careful. If you start flirting with him, (laughs) he will start offering an opportunity for him to walk you home. Is that right, mate? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's very chivalrous. There's a story here. What I want to do, Gary, is uh, ask you about your Wales career. You know. Oh, all of a sudden. (laughs) All of a sudden, they're holding hands. (laughs) Right. um, Talking of holding hands, um, Ndombele will be back in the middle of the park 
mark, I'm sure, on Saturday alongside Harry Winks for Tottenham when they play Burnley. I thought Sissoko got dragged out of position trying to help Aurier out far too much against uh, Rashford on Wednesday night. Winks doesn't get you any points, though, and you can't select Ericsson. Harry Kane hasn't scored for two games. He hasn't gone three games without a goal all season, so you know he is the man you have to put in this weekend. Yeah, Kane is a bit... Deli Ali as well. We need to mention him. He's not going to keep scoring forever, though, is he? Well, he's. Been, I mean, the way he's going at the moment, he's been only picked by two point two percent of players in Dream Team this season. So he is one of those guys that you might just think, if he does carry on his form, definitely worth a shout because he's only in the game at three point two million as well. So he might. I, I agree that he probably won't carry on scoring like, like he is, but. You know, he's in good form and Mourinho obviously likes him a lot. Um, Kane and Son are the runaway leaders in terms of total points scored for Spurs this season so far. 116 for Kane, 114 for Son. Um, Kane and Son also the second and sixth most picked in Dream Team uh, in this game week as well. So the most transferred in. Uh, and so obviously players fancy them uh, to do the business against Burnley as well. Uh, Tarkovsky getting a lot of mentions at the yeah. moment. Yeah, I mean, Burnley, well, they didn't you know, pull up any trees against uh, against Man City. Tarkovsky, you mentioned him, he actually got minus four points this game week. He's uh, <laughs> gone back down to 37 points. Um, he is the, uh, the second highest picked player of Burnley's team um, in Dream Team this season, 1.1. Uh, percent of the team uh, teams have him. Nick Pope's got one point nine percent. But I mean, really, Burnley—they're uh, an unfashionable club and very unfashionable on Dream Team as well. Just in terms of who people are picking from from there, there's no kind of real standouts. Um, but Tarkovsky might be your best bet, really. Um, okay. Anyone got any Burnley players in their Dream Team? No. Nick Pope. Have you? Have you? To get you any points? <laughs> okay, let's move on to Aston Villa against uh, Leicester. Romeo Butler, who's getting the love in this fixture? Well, any of the defenders. Oh, I mean, really? Congratulations. Well, for both teams? Well, no, for uh, sorry, for Leicester. Congratulations to Ricardo Pereira. He's become he's shot up um, to being the highest uh, defender in point scoring um, in Dream Team this season. He's 90, a good player, isn't he? he is I've got a good player. 97 points in total, which is phenomenal. And um, Chandler Sayunchu has got 72. He's actually gone up to second as the highest point uh, point scoring defender in Dream Team as well. Um, similar to, to Kane and Son, they were the fifth and seventh most transferred in players um, this week. Chilwell and Kasper Schmeichel are ninth and tenth. So Kasper Schmeichel. Schmeichel. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is he Peter's other son? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, like a cross between Schumacher and Schmeichel. <laughs> Schmeichel. Because a, a, lot, a lot about Leicester is made uh, to do with their attacking team. You know, yeah. We talk a lot about Vardy and, and, and Madison and their exploits going forward. But ultimately, the defence are not only earning them a few points in Dream Team, it's helping them earn quite a few points in the Premier League. Well, yeah, it's Kasper Schmeichel, um, the second highest goal scorer. Uh, it's just Schmeichel. Schmeichel. How <laughs> 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 I been getting this wrong my entire life? Because I must have been going throughout the 90s as go well. On, go on, Peter Schmeichel. One more time, go Schmeichel. on. Schmeichel. It's actually a very good ca- characteristic. So now when all of the ladies of London uh, are being <laughs> chatted up in a bar, they'll know that it's Romeo Butler <laughs> by the way he says Schmeichel. <laughs> I can't believe this. I need to have words with my school friends because they didn't even pick me up on this when I was, uh, you know, saying Peter Schmeichel's yeah, name. Yeah, what they've been saying behind your back. I know. Let's just call him Casper for now. 
He's the uh, second highest scoring goalkeeper in the game after Edison. He's got 49 points so far this season. Edison's got 51. So I agree. A lot is made of uh, of their attack. Obviously, the, the 9-0 win against Southampton is, is still being talked about. Um, they keep on keep on scoring quite freely, but it's their defence actually that's uh, really rooting them. Okay, and uh, any plans for this week? Uh, what, what? <laughs> any Christmas parties? I'm actually going to Sarajevo this weekend. Are you? Yeah, you're going to shimmy of, down in Sarajevo. Bit of bit of scouting. Oh really? Some okay. Football, some football scouting. Oh right, okay. Just to get it right. Thank you very much. I'm done. Um, <laughs> Andrew Butler from Dream Team. Now Wolves threatening to reach the European places again. Take on brighter Brighton in their 29th match of the season. Here's Tom Rennie. Brighton's start to this season has so impressed the hierarchy at the club, they've already awarded manager Graham Potter a contract extension just six months after joining the club. Potter's points tally is not much better than what Chris Hewton offered. In fact, after 14 matches, it was their lowest points tally at this stage of a Premier League season. But the quality of football on offer at least doesn't make you consider all of your life choices at half-time, and that seems enough for Seagulls fans at this time. Wolves' win over West Ham in midweek was rewarded with the rarest of treats for players at Molyneux, a day off. Wanderer's season has been less sporting calendar, more Victorian workhouse in its intensity, but that's not affected them at all. In fact, they're having their best unbeaten run in the top flight since 1972 as they've slowly and quietly progressed to fifth place. Boss Nuno Espiritus Santo has been linked with Arsenal in recent days, but after 10 matches without loss and players working themselves into the ground over 28 gruelling matches while still picking up points, why on earth would he want to go anywhere else? Alex Crook is TalkSport South Coast correspondent and you had an interesting chat with Ralph Harsenhutl after the aftermath of that 9-0 thrashing and the sort of support that he's got. Yeah, actually, he didn't thank me at the time. His face turned last night when I reminded him of the 9-0 game, but it was to put some context in their results since then. I was basically saying, how important has it been for you that when fans were calling for your head and there were various newspaper reports that you, your head was on the chopping board, that the board actually came out quite strongly and backed you and said, you're the man to turn it around. He said, yeah, look, it's it's abnormal that you lose 9-0. And the first thing the board did, uh, Martin Simmons, the chief executive, was to put his arm around Harsen and say, look, you're our man. Don't worry. You're going to turn this around. And seven points from nine games, uh, sorry, seven points out of a possible nine, a couple of decent performances against Manchester City. You have to say with a very limited squad, you've got to credit the manager for the way he's turned it around. The two back-to-back wins, though, were against Watford and Norwich, so I'm guessing no-one's getting too excited on the South Coast. No, and I also spoke to Jan Bednarek after the game, and he said, we've got to stay humble, we haven't achieved anything yet, but they were pressure games. I mean, I was watching the the, the, the Watford game at home on Saturday, having covered a championship match for TalkSport, and I'll tell you what, my eight-week-old daughter learnt some new expletives for the first hour of that game because they were absolutely dreadful. And I couldn't understand how they could be so good at Arsenal the previous week and just produce such a cowardly performance a few days later. But again, he made a couple of changes in the second half, turned it around. If they'd have lost that game or the Norwich game, I think Southampton were down. Yeah. They've given themselves a fighting chance now. What's it like to be in a dressing room where you've gone through a tough period? Everybody thinks that the manager's going to go. Not everybody, but a lot of people immediately point the finger at the manager and then the club come out and say he's not going anywhere how do the players react to that because uh, there is a bit of a fractious relationship with yeah. some of the players in that dressing room and Ralph Harsenhutl yeah um, it can be a mixed kind of reaction really within the squad um, you know if 
you're buying into the manager and it's just a thing where you're just not picking up results and, and the chairman comes out and says that, then you're quite happy to hear it. But if you're not having a manager, what he's trying to do isn't working. Um, and as players, you can kind of see that and you feel maybe something needs to change or as a team of players, maybe you have to go above the manager, maybe think, look, we need to sort this ourselves. Then that's probably not the news you want to hear. But I saw Southampton before the international break where Everton went down there and, and beat them. And I was really fearing for them at that point because they, they look really poor. And to be fair, he's changed the system, I think, as well. And he was playing yeah, a 3-4-3. Three, 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 and it was not working. They couldn't play through midfield. They couldn't get their front players on the ball. Um, and credit to him, after the international break, he's gone back to a back four. Um, they would have targeted those two home games as must-win games. Um, you know, Danny Ings has popped up. Well, I was going to say, it helps if you've got a goal well. scorer yeah. like Danny Ings who can score double figures. He's on double season. figures already yeah. in a team that don't Eight create goals, a lot I of think. chances. Yeah. Ten in all competitions. Yeah. And, and if, if he stays fit, and that is a big if because he's had his injury problems, they've got James Ward-Prowse who might have his limitations from open play, but he gets in the team every week just because of his dead ball delivery. And both goals mm. against Norwich came from James Ward-Prowse set-pieces. They've got a chance. They still can't defend. There's no money in January. They're going to be bottom five. Yeah, They may just have enough to finish above the dotted line. Newcastle might be down there as well. They thrashed uh, Southampton last season in April. Iosi Perez getting a hat-trick in that game. I did that match. In fact, Southampton have won at St. James's Park once since 
So, um, yeah, Marcus Rashford, six goals in the last six Premier League games. Um, was he nine goals now this season, I think? Nine Premier League goals. That's just one shy of his total goals haul, I think, from last from season. Last season. Uh, four assists. Match week 15, out of all the players that performed, he was first for attempts on goal, shots on target, um, shots in the box. We mentioned Manchester United, of course, performing well against the top six, uh, six teams. Sorry, um, He performs well against the top six teams as well. Five goals against Chelsea, three against Liverpool, three against Tottenham, two against Arsenal and two against Man City. Who obviously, they're playing on the weekend. So nobody can tell me that he is not going to score. <laughs> OK, we'll find out live on TalkSport 5.30 and across the rest of the world on Premier League Live. Now, Leicester, they're on a wonderful run of form, aren't they? They've won seven straight league games. The last time that they did that was March 1963. Summer holiday was hitting the cinemas. My suit was in fashion the first time around. <laughs> and they finished fourth in the league. Frank McClintock was in the team. Ken Keyworth. Gordon Banks in the team. You remember him, don't you? I do. I'm not that young. Okay. Uh, this weekend, they take on Aston Villa away from home, knowing that they've never won, never in their history, they've never won eight league matches in a row. Brendan breaking records definitely okay I'm reliably informed that you have to go to Apple Podcasts if you want to subscribe to our uh, game day podcast feed now uh, Spotify Acast all of those uh, services that you might use to download your audio entertainment uh, you'll be able to subscribe to the game day feed which has got not only this fantastic podcast with Danny Gabadon and the sloth that is Alex Crook we've also got um, uh, Laura Woods Adrian Durham the Ginger Prince and Danny Kelly who uh, also brings you the verdict on a Monday morning. That's it from us for this week. We're back next week on uh, at the usual time earlier in the week uh, because uh, we've got another massive weekend of football. Make sure you enjoy it. That was a podcast from Talk Sport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.